Today's podcast is sponsored by our amazing friends over at Adorama. Adorama is one of the best electronic retailers specializing in photo and video equipment. They also have a rad blog and video series highlighting content creators called Through the Lens, which you can find on their YouTube channel. We've partnered with Adorama to offer free education through the AOV Academy. So head over to aovacademy.com for free online courses in photo and video. Hey, what's happening, AOV community, and welcome to another episode of the Art of Visuals podcast. My name is Prince, and I am your host, and today's guest is outdoor landscape photographer Jamie Justice Out, a.k.a. at Jamie Out. From Vancouver, BC. Welcome to the show, brother. How you doing? Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, doing well. It's my pleasure to have you. Why don't you start off with letting the AOV community know a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, sure. Like you said, I'm from Vancouver, British Columbia. I grew up in BC in a smaller town just outside about five hours from Vancouver called Salmon Arm. Most of the world wouldn't hear of that town unless you're driving through to the Rocky Mountains. And then uh, you'll probably pass through it. Lived in Vancouver for about 12 years and uh, picked up photography probably about three and a half, four years ago and have been doing that mostly full-time since. I teach also part-time, which is kind of a nice balance for me. And yeah. That's awesome. I have a question uh, regarding Vancouver. Of course, go ahead. Dude, there's so many rad photographers out of <laughs> Vancouver. It's like, what do they put in the water there? Like, what are you, like, what are you guys drinking? Well, I mean, it's a pretty good outdoor uh, mecca there. There's a lot of stuff close by, and I think that that helps. And then, yeah, it's a good community of photographers as well. I feel like knowing a good portion of them, everyone kind of pushes themselves and each other to to kind of succeed, and that that helps a lot too. So. That's awesome. That's that's good to hear that there's a good uh, a good little community there. So how did you get started in photography? Started actually moved to China for a year, and I was teaching overseas there, and I wanted to document my my travel and my trip mm-hmm. for my family and friends. So I started a little blog, and I just had my iPhone. I was snapping away and and taking some photos here and there. Just posting Instagram was like fairly new. Probably had been out for about two years by that point. And started a channel called China by Day. For the kicks, I started trying to actually gain some followers and post photos. But they were terrible photos for the most part. And then I came back to Canada after that year of traveling and uh, started taking it a little more seriously. Had a couple of brands start reaching out and saying, hey, like we'd like to to use some of these photos. And I was always like, well, they're just iPhone photos. So that's probably not what you're looking for. So then I ended up actually my, my mother-in-law had this camera that she had bought for my, my brother-in-law. He's a musician and they wanted to use it for video and it, it just, they never used it. It sat in the closet collecting dust for over a year. And it was a Canon 5D Mark III, which is top of the line camera. Yeah, even to, by today's standards, yeah, it's phenomenal. Yeah, it's still a great camera, yeah. Anyway, so I started using that and took it a little more seriously and yeah, just kind of the rest is history there. Dude, that's awesome. What was the what was the catalyst when photography went from being like a hobby to being like, "Wow, I love this. Like this is my this is my thing." Yeah, I mean Photography for me is it's all about getting myself outdoors. So that's first and foremost my passion. I just love being in nature and hiking around and backpacking, doing that sort of stuff. And the photography is just a way of expressing myself in a in a different way, I guess, and and sharing those experiences in those places with others. So yeah, for me, that was just like an extra added bonus. I was already going out and doing those things, and photography kind of came naturally uh, just to to share it. So Nice. What type of outdoor activities are you into? I mean, in the wintertime, I do a lot of snowboarding and just hiking and stuff like that. Summertime, it's mostly backpacking. I used to do a lot, lot more things uh, like water sports, surfing, skimboarding, a bunch of other stuff like that. 
lot of board sports, skateboarding, but then less and less so as I've grown a little bit older. Uh, and being as I'm not close to a surf wave in Vancouver, that doesn't help much, but I still try to get out where I can. And always trying to push myself and do other things. Got into rock climbing a little bit in the last year and trying to up my game and be able to you know, push myself and do bigger mountains and things like that. So there's always kind of a push to to get out and and get out a little bit further and challenge myself. So good, dude. That's awesome. I uh, like yourself. I'm a board sports guy. I grew up skating and like yourself a little bit less and less as I get older. It's yeah, your body. It gets a little tougher because <laughs> you still want to ride like you're 16 for sure because you kind of still got it, but at the same time. It's, yeah. it's a little different. <laughs> yeah, you see all these up and coming kids who are like just crushing too, and you're like, shoot, uh, I can't even compete anymore. So yeah, it's well, it's dangerous when you're at the skate park or somewhere, and like the little kids are are killing it, and then you want to push yourself to do what they're doing. And you're like, hold yeah. on, pump the brakes. <laughs> like <laughs> that time yeah. has passed. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you approach? So first of all, your feet is is completely just stunning. Thanks, man. When you walk into a scene, when you're outdoors doing your thing, how do you approach photographing the scene? I think, you know, you kind of come up to a scene and you see it in its widest form. And and a lot of times it can be a bit overwhelming to know exactly what to shoot and where to go. And so I kind of try to, like, think of it in terms of, well, I mean, now I, I think of it in terms of a photograph, but... I'm generally looking for new angles on a place that if it's super common or has been shot a lot of times, I'm looking for some sort of new way of framing it or, you know, shooting through something or using the trees as, as a frame or flowers in the, in the foreground or something, trying to take that big scene and sort of tell a bit of a story or be able to portray it in the way that you remember it. And oftentimes you know, as a beginner photographer, I was always just walking up, seeing a scene and like, hey, click, that's nice. And that's what 90% of people who are on vacation do. And they don't really take the time to actually think about that spot and, and really kind of, you know, I always think of things like getting really high up in the scene, trying to find a vantage point that's a little different or getting really low or moving to the left or right or moving around and not just walking up to one place and being like, yep, this is the spot. And just really kind of wandering, finding different compositions and, and not necessarily settling for that one, that one thing. Right. No, I love that. And you can, can obviously tell you like you're a backcountry guy. Cause like a lot of these shots, you're definitely earning those shots and not just pulling up, getting out of the car and taking the yeah. quick, taking the quick opportunity and moving on. Well, and I think that's that's part of a setting yourself apart a little bit from from the majority, and also b that's that's just what I love doing. And uh, oftentimes it's more challenging when you're packing a backpack with all your camera gear and all that extra added weight. But in the long run, it's it's often worth worthwhile. So right on. So I, I scrolled all the way back. So I have another monitor to my left. That's what I'm, so I'm looking at your, okay. I'm looking at your feed right here. We're getting deep. I scrolled all the way. <laughs> yeah, I do. I'm all the way. I'm back. Where am I? I'm in 2013, September. Okay. Uh, oh, wow. So let's say five years then. Okay. Dude, it's, it's really cool just seeing how your, your editing style and your composition and framing and everything has just evolved. Yeah. Over the years. With that said, I'm curious today, how did you know where you're at today as a photographer? How did you come up with this creative style and, and what makes a photo a Jamie out photograph? I don't know. It's a good question. I love I love the soft sort of soft feel to a lot of my photos. And obviously the biggest thing is lighting. Always has been, always will be for most photos and photographers. So without that, it's not it's not easy to sort of differentiate yourself. And then, yeah, I, th I would say keeping my edits a bit more ethereal and soft in a lot of ways. And I don't crank the sharpness and clarity in my photos when I edit. And 
I would say more vibrant a little bit, not like over the top, but maybe more than some muted, muted tones and stuff like that. So yeah, I just sort of slowly developed over time and I'm still learning here and there as I go. And I think that's like the exciting thing is there's always new things and new ways of, of shooting and, and whatnot. So do you ever, do you ever feel stuck with your style? Like I know a lot of photographers, they, they create these, you know, this style and then they get stuck. They want to experiment with new things, but they post something and they get weird because maybe their followers don't like it. And then they just go back to what they were doing. And I've just noticed that being like a common denominator with a lot of different guys that I chat with. So I'm curious if you ever feel the same way with your photography. I think so. I think you can kind of pigeonhole yourself a little bit in what you're doing and sort of limit your creativity somewhat. It just partly because you don't have necessarily an outlet for it, where you see a lot of guys who are doing a couple different feeds now, you know, like a portrait feed and then a landscape feed and then a lifestyle feed or city type shots. And I think the guys who are able to kind of combine that into their feeds and have sort of, uh, we kind of call it like training your audience because it's definitely possible to do it. You just have to kind of do it over a slow period of time. And as you, you're following builds and stuff like that, you know, the people who the new followers are following you because they're seeing that new style or that, you know, mix of uh, different types of photos. So they're on board uh, and then it's just training those other ones, the original ones. But for me personally, my biggest thing has been, I mean, obviously I just love the outdoors and that sort of look, but it's also trying to figure out a way to even include my family slowly in the future and I think that that's kind of coming in in certain things but I would like to do more of that because I would love to travel with my family more and I would love to have them be more involved and stuff too so you know I know there's there's a window for that and there's a lot of people who are interested in that but you know it's it's a process and it's uh it's it's a little it's tough because you're so used to posting a certain type and your, your audience is so used to seeing a certain type. And so it's like, shoot, if I post this, what's everyone going to think? But at the same time, that's my life. And I know people want authenticity as well. So I think, you know, the more authentic you can be, then you're going to have that respect of other people and it's just going to benefit you in the long run. So. Absolutely. I, I think it takes a lot of courage, you know, as an artist, the goal is always to, you know, to keep creating and to grow. And I mean, a lot of it's experimental, like you just try new things. And so you see it happen with the musicians, right? And, I, and I'm sure we both had an experience where our favorite musician decides to just completely change up their style on the new album and, yeah, yeah. and everyone's in an uproar, like, ah, <laughs> you know, it's like, but, but, but then, <laughs> but then people end up falling in love with it or they don't, or they, it grows on them over a year, whatever it may be, but more or less people yeah. get over it, you know? Yeah, that's right. yeah. And, yeah. and so I think for us as artists and photographers, you know, it takes a certain amount of courage to stay authentic and true to yourself and to make sure you're always, you know, feeding your soul and, you know, creating the way that you want to create and just knowing that everyone else will eventually catch up to whatever it is you're doing next or whatever it may be. Yeah. And I also think it's really beautiful that you're that you're wanting to get out and do more things with your family. Mm -hmm. I think that's really cool. I don't know if you follow uh, or know like Ryan Domasino and Victoria Wonders. Uh, no, I don't think so. You should check them out because yeah. they're like an awesome travel duo, but they just had a child as well. Oh, cool. And they've been traveling around with him and, and still doing their thing. And it's really cool to, I don't know, it's just, it's like I was saying, like, being involved in a community and like starting to see like different people in the community getting married yeah. and having children. And it's For like, sure. and it's cool seeing everyone traveling. And, and so what, yeah. with what you just said, I'm like, Oh, like maybe it'd be fun to have like a little, uh, a micro Facebook group for like AOV families to where you guys yeah, could yeah. chat about, like, <laughs> we all do the same thing, but we all have kids now. Like, how are you guys, tra you know, how do you guys travel with a child? How do you do these things? Cause like, that's yeah. a whole nother 
you're about to move into a whole new learning curve, you know, of, sure. of, of life, which is beautiful and exciting, but it's always nice when there's people that are going through this similar things and everyone can kind of support and share things, which is cool. Yeah. Even a smart, smart business move to start doing that more. And as the younger Instagram community grows up and, you know, they're, they're not going to be out traveling the world nonstop for the rest of their lives. Maybe some of them, but you know, you settle down and you have a family and it's a little less, it's a little, little harder to get out and do that. So even having some inspiration, oh, what's this family doing? Or like a good, good example is Moon Mountain Man, Jacob Moon and his wife and their little baby. And they're, you know, they got a van and they're just traveling down in Mexico now. And so that's, it's inspiring to see and, and, and cool to, to have people who are pushing it and including their families in their, their feeds and stuff. So. Absolutely. And I think there's like a lot of new business new business ideas and things that could come from that. Like I know a few families that, you know, travel and blog about it and, you know, have independent different channels where they talk about yeah. the family thing and this is how we do it because dude, there's a whole community of people out there that have children and, and want to travel and they're just like, dude, I just we can't even yeah. begin to wrap our mind around how to do this, like how to legitimately just travel with a child. Right, for sure. But it's doable, you know, because yeah. there's tons of people that do it. So Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I think it's all great. that stuff's neat. What's one of the things you wish you knew when you had first started taking photos? When you say wish I knew in regards to could be photography or just wish I knew? Anything. I mean, it could be photography. Like, oh, I wish, like, I knew – the, what MF and AF meant because I was shooting an MF and all my photos were blurry. I never understood why. The first year. The first <laughs> Wish I knew. Yeah. That's a good question. I mean, a lot of people struggle with the business side of things. So I, if I had a, more information earlier on, I feel like I would have been more successful and probably could have pushed things a little bit easier sooner but just the information was so new it's such a new app and a new way of doing things with the whole influencer marketing and whatnot so yeah I think if I I would have known a few more things early on that would have been great in that regard things like you know how to price for things or how to license your content and all those types of things where you're just sort of flying by the seat of your pants half the time asking friends hey what do you do and and that's what's been great about the community is uh everybody has been super supportive so that's always nice but i guess that would be one thing yeah i love that and i'm excited to a little bit later in the podcast get into some of the business stuff but it's a yeah. big one for a lot of people a lot of people struggle with that which makes sense a lot you know a lot of people coming into the space or they're artists, they're photographers, they're outdoor enthusiasts, they're all these different yeah. types of people, but they're not necessarily entrepreneurs. But being an entrepreneur is kind of like, as you go down the rabbit hole, and if you end up making it to the point to where you're at and getting paid to do things, things you, you yeah. can't, you just end up becoming an entrepreneur to some extent as well. And you have to figure yeah. and it's and that's a whole new world. And it's necessary to be able to sustain and hopefully to be able to thrive. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And you see, you see people doing it really, really well and, and thinking outside of Instagram, I think that's going to be the biggest thing in the next number of years is, is not peg, you know, putting yourself in this position where if the app goes away tomorrow, what do you have to show for it? And that's, you know, you see guys who are, you know, Julius, you know, visuals of Julius, who's super smart and making some amazing uh, content that, you know, people are buying and courses and stuff like that. And other people who are doing blogs or starting YouTube or all these types of areas where you can express yourself in different ways and financially make it viable outside of what is now Instagram and who knows what will be in the future. So dude, absolutely. And we can dig into that too a little deeper here later on in the episode. But sure. what would be the advice you would give to a photographer that wants to do what you do? 
If, if like if some kid walked up to you on the street and it was like, oh my gosh, Jamie, like I'm Matthew yeah. and I really want to, you know, I look up to you and I really want to do what you, what you do. Like, where should I start? <laughs> yeah. Well, first get a camera. Uh, well, if they're shooting a camera already, then that's great. And my, my advice to anybody who always asks me like, Hey, I'm really new to photography. And I always say, just go out and shoot everything. Like if you put yourself in a position where you only shoot landscape right off the bat, then you're sort of limiting yourself and all these skills that you could have learned early on with other areas. And so I just encourage, you know, you might love some other type of photography as well. And just sort of figuring out yourself as a photographer, you're going to get better at, at the photo side of things. And you're also going to just learn a, a ton of different, different things. So that's one piece of advice that I always say to people who are just starting in photography and then the whole influencer thing or, you know, wanting to have a following on Instagram, you know, the biggest thing is I always say, don't like that can't be your focus. You, you just have to love the photography side of things, post regularly and people will, will see you and notice you and, and start to follow because they see something they're interested in and you can kind of tell those people who are doing it for all the wrong reasons and uh, it just doesn't it doesn't shine through that they're genuine or that they are really providing anything new to the platform so right it's uh it's really interesting you said that because like the whole point of being an artist is exercising your creativity and coming up with things that are true to you and unique and different. And, but it's so weird with Instagram, there's so many people that have quote unquote created some type of success. And I'll say some type, cause there's lots of different types of success, yeah. but, and then you have all these people that just basically mimic exactly what they're doing. Right. And it's really funny when they don't, you know, necessarily see the results or nothing special is really happening. And it's, you know, it's more or less, it's like, Hey, well, I mean, you ba it's like, you basically just took a musician's style and copied everything they do. And then like when people listen to your stuff, they're like, Oh, he's trying to be Drake. So I just would rather listen to Drake than some guy. Yeah. <laughs> and same with photography. It's like, you really should be creating something unique. And I guess we're trendsetters. That's what artists yeah. are. Artists create cool shit and then people look at it and go, wow, mm -hmm. that's amazing. I want to see sure. more from this person. I want to stay up with this person because I've never seen anything like this and this is just blowing my mind. Yeah. And I think that should be the goal with anything, music, clothing, photography, any art form shouldn't be about mimicking. I mean, to start, we all have to start somewhere. So I think copying and mimicking is a great place to, to start and to learn. But once mm -hmm. you kind of have it figured out, you really got to start creating from the soul and create yeah. your own unique thing, you know? For sure. I was, yeah, I was just going to say that starting out by looking at other people's work for inspiration is, is a thing that everybody does. And I, I think it should be encouraged because, you know, you can see something and, and be moved by it or just you know it it makes you want to to do something like that yourself and to go out and you know mimic it for the first while is is fine to just sort of understand how it is that they did it what were the techniques what sorts of things did they use with the editing and whatever but after a while like you said it's it's just you will if you are an artist you will find that place for yourself you will find a place where you can set yourself apart and you know, if you're just a copier, then you'll be a copier your whole life. And, you know, you can't necessarily change that. Well, I guess you can change that. I don't know. <laughs> That's and it's probably not the best thing. To do, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's really, un like, it's really unsatisfying too. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Like yeah. it's like, I talk to people and they're not that happy with their work, even though they have like a, a decent size following and this and that. And I look at them and I'm like, I, I know I can tell you why you're not happy with your work. Why? Because it's not, you're not doing true work. You're not doing yeah. work from your soul. You're just doing what you think looks good and you're doing what everyone, what you think everyone will like. And so yeah. it's super unfulfilling for you. Yeah. The moment yeah. you start doing what you enjoy doing and what 
is true to you, the entire process becomes a lot more enjoyable, you know? For sure. And so I'm curious, you have a really uniform looking feed. How do you keep your feed and your edits so uniform? Well, for me personally, I, I generally start with a preset that I have, which I don't sell. I have a couple and for those, it kind of puts it in the right range of where, but then each and every photo, I'll spend at least an hour editing kind of on a minimum to, to where I like it. So that's one thing for, for the editing. And I've kind of, I just kind of know when I go into the photo, what it needs now and, and how to sort of move the sliders or the, the curves and all that to where I think it's going to work. That's been one, one thing that I've had to learn over time and that just, you know, doing it over and over at consistency. Another thing in that I still use is just a program that helps me curate my feed. So I know a lot of guys use just a, a private Instagram account to put their photo in and see how it'll do. And I just have a, a program called Unum that I use to throw it in and I can kind of plan my feed out for the next few days or a few edits. And then that helps to, to keep it uh, looking consistent and not too busy or not too cluttered or whatever it is, you know, giving it that nice, that nice look. So, right. Now I love that. What was the name of that? Unum, U-N-U-M. Cool. You guys can definitely check that out. Absolutely. So with that said, are you, it sounds like Lightroom. Yeah. Any Photoshop as well, or I would say a 90% Lightroom Mm -hmm. and then, uh, for certain touch-ups or there's things that are distracting elements, then I'll use Photoshop for some clone stamping or, or various things, but I, I'm not a Photoshop wizard. I wish I was better at it, to be honest, but put some birds in there. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the classic, <laughs> you know, I, I, uh, yeah. And that, that's funny. You mentioned that because <laughs> it, it, obviously it's a common thing, but it's also, it's, I don't have any issues with people Photoshopping, whereas I feel like some artists do and some people who are all like, you know, the purists. Right. And for me, it's like I was at that scene. That's what I envisioned or that's what I saw. And if I'm embellishing it a little bit more or, you know, making it feel a little bit better than what it was, I don't I don't know. For me personally, I love that creativity behind it. And mm-hmm. I think that's a lot of people would call that art themselves and and uh, yeah, so I don't know. That's for me. I don't. I don't have a, a big hate on for those people who do that. But. Myself neither. I love Photoshop. I think it's the greatest tool ever created. Like Photoshop changed yeah. the world, right? Yeah. With that said, my only piece on this topic would be I really appreciate it when people just state that it right. was photoshopped. Sure. That way, that you know, people aren't. A, looking for places that don't exist. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, hey, I was there in New Zealand and I didn't see that. It's like, yeah, because that (laughs) spot isn't there. (laughs) It's not real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and just, you know, because I think there is that reality gets a little murky when Photoshop comes into play and people aren't clearly just saying, hey, this was edited in Photoshop. It's cool. It's still beautiful. It doesn't take away, but more or less it lets us. And it doesn't make purists feel super inferior, like, oh my gosh, this guy's so, how is he this good? Every time yeah, he goes out, time. how does yeah. he capture the perfect, <laughs> the bears? Like, it's like this guy, <laughs> this guy is like, he's like talking, he's like the freaking uh, Dr. Doolittle. It's like he talks to animals. Yeah. They just all come out of the woodworks for him every time. That's right. Unless you're K, unless you're K Punka, then it's not, it's not happening. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, what tools, I shouldn't say what tools. So, we know you use yeah. Lightroom 90% of the time. And then maybe some clone stamping and stuff and, and, and Photoshop. But what does your editing process look like? So you said you spend an hour per edit. So when you yeah. plug in your SD card into your computer, yeah, what's that trans? Yeah, what's the workflow like? Okay, so it's I I don't import my photos directly onto Lightroom. I'll image capture using uh, the MacBook and then put them into their own design folder so I can keep it organized the way I want and generally by year. Uh, and then I title each folder with the location that I shot at. So then I can easily go back and, and see it. Then I'll import into Lightroom, do your edit, export, 
And then from there, I'll take it onto my mobile and I use, I'll use a app like Snapseed. I find that for me, a lot of the compression that Instagram does can distort photos and just make them not quite as good of quality sometimes. So with a program like that, which I can sort of do a few tweaks with brightness or lighting or whatever on Snapseed, and then I'll export it through that, and that helps to kind of compress the photo. For me, I find it still looks great, makes it a smaller file. And then when I go in through Instagram, there's no changes through Instagram compression-wise or anything like that. I've been doing that for many years, and it's something that I find helpful. So maybe somebody else will, but I know everybody does something slightly different. So, you know. How do you, so, so you were saying that you spend an hour yeah. on an edit. How do you get to those? How do you find those photos? Like, so you're importing our, so perfect example. Oh, okay. I know guys, you know, and I used to be this way to where I just get so excited. I just start, I open it. And instead of looking through all my images, I'm like, I'm going to start editing this one. And then I jump and then I'm, and then all of a sudden I'm all over the place, hopping back and okay. forth. And it took a while for me to get a good workflow down to where I would only import I guess like my favorites and then I would even right. narrow it down from my favorites to, you know, these yeah, are the, yeah. the five that I, you know, my selects. Yeah. 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 I could be probably better at this because I also get very excited to sort of see all the photos and I want to see, you know, which ones, you know, are, is there something slightly out of focus? Is there this one have a, you know, slightly better lighting or whatever it might be. But, and then from there, yeah, I'll choose my, my top ones, but often I will have already started on the edit and then not go back and do the deleting of the ones that are clearly never going to be used ever. And so, you know, I'll get a catalog, you know, over the year, because I generally I'll do a catalog per year on Lightroom. Uh, and it can have, you know, 15, 20,000 photos easily in that catalog. And then it can be a nightmare. It just slows your whole system down. And then if you go back and actually take the time and have to go through and delete photos after that, then it's like, oh, my gosh, it's overwhelming. So definitely recommend doing some sort of system of culling early on. And, the, you know, using the shortcuts is, is super fast. And smart previews. I know a lot of people who will turn on smart previews so you can really quickly just back and forth, see the photo, and it's you know, quick X, if you don't like it, quick P, if you like it. Right. So. Yeah. I think for beginners, it's very important to, to try to figure out some system for organization. Mm -hmm. I'm like yourself. I have like ridiculously large catalogs and I'm not as organized as I should be, Yeah. but I've also been doing this since, you know, long before it was like, before Instagram was like even a thing. Right. And so yeah. I just, I've been, I'm just comfortable with it because I've just always done it this way. So it yeah. doesn't, yeah. it doesn't bother me. And I, I know how to get to my stuff and, and all For that, sure. yeah. but I think it can definitely bog you down as an, yeah. as a, as a, as a beginner, it's probably better to start with better habits than, than not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So even watching a couple of videos of people who do workflow, I did a workshop, uh, ran a workshop and one of the guys who I was running the workshop with Mio, he, I took a lot of things that I learned from him in his uh, little talk and applied it to myself and it helped a lot. So, you know, it's, it's definitely useful to take the time early on and find a good workflow for you and stick with it. Right. And not, I guess, and not be afraid to change as well. If you see something better or something that might help improve. Definitely. What about uh, so you just mentioned workshops, how do you educate yourself Generally, I watch videos more often. Lately, I've been sort of watching how to create video just because it's something I'm slowly wanting to do a bit more of and stuff like that. So now I've kind of transitioned from learning about photography and doing a bit more of that. I feel like I have a fairly good grasp on photography, but I don't feel like I know everything. So, you know, I would mention visuals of Julius having a course and I actually purchased one of his courses to look into a bit more about Photoshop and, and stuff like that. So I always want to kind of, you know, learn new techniques and learn things that, that might help 
before I go out into the field knowing, hey, if I take six photos as a panorama, I can do this later on. Or, you know, I didn't know that earlier, so, uh, and I wouldn't have if I hadn't watched that video. Or, And a lot of times when people ask me and they say, hey, what kind of inspiration or, you know, do you have any videos or things to learn? And we had talked about the... I, I had said earlier on about going out and shooting all sorts of types of content, but narrowing it down like on a weekly basis. So maybe it's like, hey, this week I really want to learn astrophotography and the weather's looking pretty good. So I'm going to watch a couple videos and then I'm going to go and try it. And like, I mean, obviously it's proven that with hands-on experience, you're going to learn much more than if you're just sitting there taking in the content so really you know take two or three videos write a couple notes down and then actually go and do it because you'll forget it or you won't actually use that and then it'll be a waste of your time so I think that's uh, a really good strategy for for people who are actually wanting to try something new or just beginning so definitely no that those are all great resources and and I'm stoked I'm going to check out Visuals of Julius's stuff too. I'm just really curious now because you've mentioned yeah. you mentioned him a few times. So was, now well, yeah. I'm like, dude, I gotta see his. I gotta check out these tutorials. Yeah, it was the Photoshop for photographers. It's called. So it's not like a beginner course, but it's it's one that would help people who are photographers. So right, I should I should, I should be getting a free course from there. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> You're like, dude, I was promoting promoting the the tutorials. <laughs> yeah. So you're getting into video right now. That's really interesting. I've, I've spoken on a few panels, and it seems like a lot of photographers are making the transition into the video for obvious reasons, financially and creatively. You know, there's a there's a lot of great paid work for filmmakers yeah. out there. And there's a lot of great paid work for photographers who can also add a video element to what they do, depending on, you know, client and brief and all that good stuff. And so yeah. I'm curious how the transition, most photographers I talk to, you know, it's, it's a difficult task yeah. for them to go from photo to video. So I'm just curious for you, how's the, how's the process of making that, uh, I guess, learning a new skill set? How's that been? Yeah, I think at first it, it's a challenge. I, I used, used to do like, little videos here and there for whether it was a high school course or university, whatever. Like I have a master's in educational technology. So that's kind of helped with, you know, knowing tech and not, not shying away from a new program. So I have the fundamentals for editing and stuff like that, but uh, actually going out and filming and learning those types of things and, I, you know, when you're a photographer, you kind of have an eye for what looks good and it can be similar in photography or in video, but it's also a different challenge. You're really trying to tell a story through your video. And, and that for me took time to kind of figure out how to like plan out shots. And I think at first that was the biggest thing is actually sitting down and planning things out. Whereas I thought I could just go and free, free fall, like go for it and realizing it's like, yeah, I got a lot of great footage, but now what, how do I, you know, piece it together to actually tell a story that makes sense. And so that for me was, was beneficial, uh, having good friends that do a lot of video, Brian Castillo, Brian Adam C on Instagram, he's big into video and he helped a lot with just, you know, giving me tips and a few other good friends of mine. But honestly, I probably wouldn't have even started doing video if it wasn't for clients being like, Hey, we would like a video. And it's like, yep, totally. I'll put together something, you know, and just like, it's that fake until you make it mm -hmm. type thing. And so the first bit you're really, really researching, really figuring out, um, how to make something work and something that the client's going to be happy with. And for me, a lot of times I work well under that pressure. Like, you know, I need to succeed in this. And if I didn't have something that was actually pushing me to do it, to do video in the first place, I might not have picked it up. Mm -hmm. And so I'm thankful for, you know, those opportunities that kind of come up and for me to actually jump in and just say, yep, I can do that and, uh, and go from there. So, and like I said, you know, the community that I've built and it's been so 
helpful and everyone's been super easy to to ask questions with things and whatever so yeah it's it's pretty nice. That's awesome. Dude, I love the courage you have to just say yes to all those opportunities. And as a creative and an entrepreneur myself, you know, you always, when a client asks you something, yes, we can, because <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah. especially in today's environment, dude, there's just so much competition for everything. Yeah. The moment you tell your client, Oh, actually I don't do video. They go, like they go find people. So up. now you lost that, that money. They're going to go find someone else to do video for them. And guess what? That new video guy, he just might happen to also take photos and they're decent enough. And all of a sudden you get a call. Hey, we no longer need you. We have one guy that can do both instead of us having to deal with two people. And so I love that you just said yes. And then it's like, okay, I got to figure this out. (laughs) And then, you know, you go to work and, and, and being part of a large community and things like that. There's always people to, that you can, you know, work on things with, I mean, shit, you can hire someone to do it and, and watch them like, Hey, I'm hiring you. I'm not going to make any money, but at least my client's still going to be stoked that they get the video I'm learning and they'll keep sending video mark my way when this comes out. Great. However you like, whatever you got to do to make it work, it's all about being a business owner and being resourceful and understanding that as the landscape changes and things change, like you have to be able to adapt and make it happen. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And like even things like music and and licensing stuff like that. Like I was like, I don't know. They want an original song. So same thing. I I knew a good buddy, Brian Castillo, who was helping me with video and he does his own music. And I was like, dude, he's starting his own little company for licensing songs and writing them. So I was like, hey, write me a song. I can pay this much and, you know, cut into my budget that I had for my video because I hadn't actually thought to increase the budget to add on all these extra things that you know when you're doing video you just don't think about for the first time and uh so yeah it was like that was awesome obviously to have that help but there's a lot of different things and elements that you don't think about and costs that kind of come up and so another thing that that is a learning experience I guess life dude life is just one massive learning experience for those lucky enough you know there's a lot of people that are done you know they get a degree or whatever and it's like i'm done learning yeah but if you have a big appetite for life then everyone that i know that's has a large appetite and is doing lots of things like they're lifelong learners they're non-stop yeah you know absolutely yeah it's important it's important for your health and for your just your outlook on life and stuff like that. You can get trapped in, in the, the everyday, same old, same old. And for some people, I mean, they don't mind that there's, you know, I love a a sense of routine, but when you, uh, when you can kind of break out of that and have that freedom as well, it, it makes a huge difference. So. Absolutely. Let's talk business for a little bit. So I'm curious, are you so are you a full-time photographer and then like a part-time teacher or is it reversed? It's reversed. So I'm a part-time teacher and I guess more part-time photographer, I guess you would say. So like I make I make money from both and what's, both of those things. What's the split? I would say probably this year was probably be about 70% photography, 30% teaching, and it's only slowly gone kind of up from there. So it was you know, three years ago, I had my son and I took a leave of absence from teaching full time. And during that time, I kind of focused obviously on my family and my son, but took a little bit of that extra time that I had to kind of work on my business on, on that side. And then when I went back, I decided, well, I'm going to uh, leave the classroom full time. I was teaching grade six, seven elementary school. Uh, I had a classroom for about t- eight years full time. And then, uh, I decided, you know, I'm going to go for it, take a risk and see in some senses, it wasn't a crazy risk because I can still go back and teach on the days that I'm not, you know, I don't have a job for the next November, for example, was a slow month for me, you know, with year end and all that sort of stuff. So I taught, you know, four days, three, four days a week. And so that was a great, obviously a great thing to fall back on. And it's still, a huge passion of mine. If I leave photography and I go back to teaching, I I'll have no regrets. You know, it's, it's a thing that I love to do. And 
I'm happy when uh, I get to go back and see familiar faces and teachers that I used to teach with and kids that, you know, come up to you and see you at the mall and say hi and whatever, you know, so those are all perks. But for now, it was like, you know, I just want to take this time, this opportunity that's kind of come and see where it goes and see, you know, what that leads to. I just, uh, that being said, I've had family, a lot of family members who worked their entire life, you know, got to the age of retirement and, you know, they get sick and pass away or whatever. And they've had two years where they've got to kind of live their life the way they wanted to. Or, and I feel like it's just a, a good opportunity now while, while the goings, well, it's the opportunities have sort of presented themselves to do that. And so, you know, I might end up having to work a couple extra years on the, on the, the other end for certain retirement savings or whatever it might be. But right now I feel like I'm in a place that where I'm happy and I'm providing cool opportunities for my family and experiences for my son. And so that's, that's a highlight. And, uh, I think it's important. So that's beautiful, man. And, you know, as a, as a business owner, it's like anything else. Like as you get, as you get deeper into photography, you start making more money and you start, and you realize you have to grow and you have to learn new things to go to the next level. And just like anything else, like you'll hit a point, you have a family now. So things you're, you're putting probably more attention on, on business and long-term thinking right now because you do have a family, but with making the right financial decisions and making smart choices, like as an entrepreneur, as a freelancer, whatever you want to, you know, call yourself there, there's definitely ways to, you know, start saving for retirement, to start putting money aside and and doing, doing things that any employer would do for you. It's just more or less, you've chosen a path that puts you in complete control of your life. And so you have to really step up and take complete control, you know, because in most people's day-to-day lives, you know, they show up at a job and they just kind of do their thing. And a lot of the rest of the stuff's just kind of done for them. For sure. Um, And they just hope that that continues to work for them, you know, and it all works out. Right. And for us, we really have to be on top of, you know, I don't have, you know, I don't have, I don't work for Costco or, you know, some big corporate company where I'm going to have some retirement plan and a 401k and all this stuff, unless I start doing that on my own now and, and putting money aside and things like that. So it's all, you know, it's all stuff that we grow into, I guess, more or less. And, and and I think you'll be fine. You'll be, you'll be fine. You're just going to keep blowing up and, and doing your thing and learning. I'm curious. So when you decided to make the pivot from, you know, this is a fun hobby. I enjoy being outdoors to maybe getting your first client. And then Mm -hmm. at what point, at the point that you said, Oh my gosh, I can make money doing this. I'm going to, the moment you said, this is going to be a business for me. What did that process look like? Cause that probably had to have been kind of scary, right? Being like, I've never done this stuff as a business and there's a lot to learn. And how did you navigate those weeds? Yeah. I mean, again, I think a lot of it came down to sort of researching and things like that. It helped. My wife has her own business as well. She's a florist. So she had kind of done a lot of that sort of groundwork early on with, you know, the tax things and uh, the business licensing and, you know, naming and all that sort of stuff. So I, I used her as a, a guide as well. And then, so mama uh, bear was a mentor. Hey, yeah. Hey, exactly. that's the best. That's right. that's right. And, uh, yeah. So she's, you know, she does really well at that sort of stuff. And I, I just kind of jumped on board and did what I could and feel like I'm somewhat established as far as all those things now. And yeah, as it goes, it's just, uh, if you don't know, there's lots of resources out there. I went down to the kind of like the small business bureau and sat down with a guy for a couple hours and asked questions. And, you know, it was nice that it was a free service that they provided. And, um, yeah, you're just, you, you gotta kind of man up and make it happen. Otherwise you sort of like, you got this money coming in, but you're, you know, do you pay taxes on it? How much is it before you have to pay taxes? Like all these questions that you don't learn in, in high school that you're, you're sort of left figuring out. So <laughs> it's not- I think that honestly, that's gotta be, that might be one of my biggest 
pet peeves with the education system is the ill preparation for real life things, you know, like right. finance things and whatnot. So that's because they don't want you to, to work for yourself. Yeah, well, I guess <laughs> that's you what... still gotta... <laughs> maybe. I don't know. You still got to pay taxes. So. Oh, um, yeah, no, for sure. That's why you have TurboTax, right? It's funny. It's funny you said that. That's why I was kind of laughing more or less just yeah. because, yeah, our education system doesn't doesn't teach you anything about investing, about starting your own business, about what that looks like. They, all they teach you is learn, do well in school and go get a good job. And yeah. that'll, you know, and your employer will basically take care of you and everything else is pretty easy from there. And so for the, yeah. the, the, I guess the <laughs> outsiders like ourselves, <laughs> Uh, you're yeah. very much, it's the school of hard knocks. It's like, Hey, figure it out. Yeah. Well, and I think that like not to fault the education system in a lot of ways, because that's what worked for the generation before us. Right. It was everybody went, did their thing, got into the nine to five job, worked their whole life. And that was, that's what, but now it's for factory work for sure. Or, it worked or, extremely well. Yeah, well, even nursing, doctors, right. teachers, you know, the the typical uh, university degrees, mm-hmm. Bachelor of Arts and whatnot. So, Which I still think uh, that stuff's in schooling, I think, is still very important for those specialized fields, you know. Oh, I, I, <laughs> I'm sure I, you agree. I totally agree. <laughs> but even within the last, you know, 10 to 15 years, the amount of jobs have been, have, have been created. You know, there was when I went through high school and graduated, you know, those were the the options it was like go to school get a degree it wasn't like hey go out and you know be a, a tech work for the tech sector or be a photographer or a videographer those things like it just it didn't seem like an option whereas now there's just so many new fields new opportunities new ways of creating money and and investing and that sort of stuff and so i feel like that being said the education system needs to kind of catch up in a lot of ways and and sort of see these new fields as legitimate ways of making a living and and yeah absolutely we live like in this maker society now to where i think there's a good portion of people that and by good portion i just mean like a fair portion that would much rather have an etsy store than like work for someone at a day job sure. you know, at a nine to five. And so, and it's really cool because we live in a point in time to where you could do practically, I, you know, there's 10,000 different things you could be doing where yeah. you can make a living wage, you know, yeah. that you would yeah. probably make somewhere else, except you could, could do it on your terms and do something that you enjoy doing, which is really beautiful. Um, and mm-hmm. it's a really cool era for us to, to, to be in and to experience this like modern day renaissance that we're kind of experiencing right now. Yeah, for sure. What are what are some things that you wish you had known about business that you didn't when you had first started? I mean, I think I kind of mentioned uh, a couple of things, but pricing was a, a big thing. Like, how, how do you value your work? What are your posts worth? Like, how did you figure that you out? Know, I think using different apps and asking different people. Um, you know, there's like Social Blue Book, which is one that you can kind of see your valuation, but I feel like that kind of values things a little bit lower. And then just sort of, so yeah, I'd say that would be kind of one of them. Another thing was with licensing, like what does that even like licensing a photo for, you know, exclusive rights? Well, does that, you know, even knowing what exclusive rights was and all that sort of stuff. And, it took a, a lot of time and I feel, I still don't feel like there's a, a great document out there that really kind of gives a, a solid answer. You're sort of picking a little bit from here and a little bit from there and, and, uh, sort of determining, okay, this is what I feel the value of this is worth. Um, you know, there's uh, a photo that I took of this sort of suspension bridge on Mount Nimbus and it's like a crazy peak. And that photo I had, a brand reach out to me and ask me for for rights to use that for a year and we were trying to figure out how to to actually uh charge for it and i realized like you got to include factors like how difficult was it to get to that spot like what was the and we literally had to helicopter in to get there and like you can't hike that spot unless you are part of this 
join or not join, but uh, stay at the CMH, CMH heli um, site and they bring you out there. And then, so you're thinking about that cost and then, you know, what were the hours that it took you to edit and all these little things that you don't, when you sit there and you have the photo already taken, it's like, you know, Oh, I don't know, maybe a couple hundred bucks. It's not costing me anything to just send it to them. But, but you know, you really have to value your work, I think in a lot of ways. And I, and I think a lot of people don't and under undervalue and undercut other influencers. And, and, you know, if there's that going on, it's like, like you said, where a brand is like, Oh, well I can just go to this next guy. Like, Oh, you do video and photography. Well, this guy, you know, this guy does the same, but he'll do it for half the price. And it's like, great. But, you know, yeah, so it's it's hard because it's, you know, in the community, it's oversaturated in a lot of ways. And, uh, you know, with people up and coming and they don't really know what to what to charge or whatever. So I generally, if somebody comes and asks me, I, I generally will look at what they have and ask them questions first and then say, hey, like, you should probably be looking kind of in this range because by doing that, you're helping set them up for success and you're also helping the community be set up for success because if everybody is undercutting the next guy, it's just, you know, the brand is looking for the best price for, you know, obviously the best quality, but they're willing to sacrifice generally for best price. So absolutely. And I think it's important for artists to have that integrity and to keep that integrity because yes, a licensing fee for this type of photo, for this type of rights. Yes, this is the standard fee. Okay, cool. We all get that. That doesn't mean that's what you should price your mm -hmm. photograph. At the end of the day, it's art and what they're buying is your creativity. What they're buying yeah. is Jamie. Yeah, you yeah. can go hire another guy, but guess what? The other guy can't create what I created because I'm a true artist and I know that came from the soul. I didn't mimic. I didn't, it's no gimmicks. That's real art. And that piece is something that I created. You know, my girlfriend struggles with this. She's an artist and she paints and she doesn't know how to price her yeah. stuff. So a lot of times she'll literally, she'll count it down to hours and then labor and what the cost took to make it. And then she'll put a price tag on it. I'm like, I'm like, but what about this piece? Like, yeah, what about the most like, what piece, about the yeah. fact that you're an artist and you birthed this idea onto this canvas and you know mm -hmm. exactly what it is and the understanding and the meaning behind it? What about that? Like, I'm like, that cost is, should be whatever you want it to be on top of everything else. And I think that's the beauty of of art, which is why, you know, some people sell things for hundreds of dollars and others sell things for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. I think it has yeah. a lot to do with your vision, the way you communicate your art, your understanding of what you're creating, mm. your presentation. Like there's so many, just like any other product, you know, Apple doesn't just slap their products out on a table and say, Hey, just come pick up your MacBook. They package it and they do all these different things. And I think if artists started treating their work more like products that they've created and, and branding them and telling that story and packaging them right and, and, and doing all the right things, I think they'd be able to get a lot more for what they do, uh, yes. you know, than they are. And so, and I think yeah, if everyone, good. and everyone holds true to that, then we get rid of all the undercutting on pricing and stuff. But I also tell people that's probably not the lane. Like if you're dealing with a brand that's looking for that, you probably yeah. like, it's not a brand you want to work with because they're going to drop you the moment they find someone cheaper. So the moment right. you feel that you should probably be working with someone that's hiring you because your art is what they want, not because they're just looking for photos. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Yeah. And so, Good. cool. Well, we've been chatting for a while. I could keep talking your ear off because I have a billion <laughs> questions for you. You just, it's, you, you just, you have a great way of, of just explaining and walking through uh, a lot of the things we've t we've chatted about and you just you can just tell you really do this stuff you have great answers and not you know not everyone has a, that clear of an understanding of what it is that they do and mm -hmm. so I really appreciate that about you with that said yeah you just you're all around impressive uh Thanks, man. yeah and feel that <laughs> <laughs> With that said, the way that we normally end our podcast, I basically give the floor to our guests and I allow them to leave the AOV community with some type of inspiration, motivation, you know, that they want to just send, you know, love, whatever, get them hyped, whatever, you know, your thing is, feel free to express that to people and feel free to take your time and, and think about it and just start whenever you're ready. Cool. 
I think the biggest, so here we go. Just surround yourself with good people, the kinds of people that inspire you and support your dreams and ambitions. I think we're, we're too often looking to impress others or too often concerned with how others view us. But when you're with good people and good friends, all those barriers and, and ways that you see yourself can, can be eliminated. So take time, be kind to other people and be present. Jamie Justice out. I need that DJ thing. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. That was awesome, man. Uh, I really Thanks. appreciate Thanks. you coming on the show. It was a really, it was a great honor and pleasure to have you. Uh, lots of incredible insight. And I know the community is going to really eat this one up. Hey guys, thanks for listening to another episode of the AOV Podcast. Our goal here at Art of Visuals is to keep everything free and to keep creating great tools and resources for you guys to utilize to, to achieve all your guys' dreams in the photography, filmmaking, and content creation world, even entrepreneurship. With that said, we've picked up Adorama as a sponsor to help us cover some of our costs, and we're grateful for them. All we ask of you guys is if you're going to purchase gear, we'd really love it if you guys would head over to Adorama.com and make your purchase there instead of elsewhere. And just know that when you guys do that, you guys will also somewhat be supporting Art of Visuals and allowing us to continue to create great content for you guys, uh, like our podcast, our free app, and a lot of the other great things we do. Also, if you listen to the podcast, all of the AOV presets are now free. Uh, So check out our website shop.artivisuals.com go get some free presets the artist presets are still for sale if you want to support the artist and you should support the artist uh, just know that that money goes to them and we're also going to be reworking that commission structure uh, here in the next month so we're really stoked about that but go get some free presets and if you guys want to buy gear please support us help us out go to adorama.com peace